Today on the show, we stay on program. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jaden. And today we're going to be talking about episode nine of Andor. This episode was... We're getting close to the end. Oh, this episode was a blast. I had so much fun. This... Oh, dude, the, the, the ending of... The... We're going to get into it, but the ending of this episode literally made me jump out of my chair. I was like, let's go! It was... It was great. I had a, I had just excitement throughout the entire episode, but that ending, oh boy. I know that we still have uh, three episodes to go, but I'm ready to call it at this point. This might be some of the best Star Wars ever. Oh, I've been calling it since like episode five. Like, let's go. I yeah. I mean, it's been yeah. The the, the high step the heist episodes really. I was like, this is this is some epic storytelling right here. But first, we're gonna do a little bit of housekeeping. We love hearing from all you guys, our listeners. So email us at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts, questions, and episode ideas. And you know what? Maybe you'll hear them in a future episode. Absolutely. And you can find Kevin at In The Loop on Twitter, as long as Twitter still exists, <laughs> and K Loops on Twitch and Instagram. I am not verified. <laughs> <laughs> We're too poor for the $8 a month. <laughs> you can find Jaden not verified at Mr. Jad J on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team, also not verified, on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore Party. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right. Now, before we dive in, if you guys have not watched any of the episodes, especially, you know, uh, the last episode, episode nine, don't listen to this. Just pause it and go watch all that yep. stuff. Come back, listen to our other episodes, and uh, yeah, take a break. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You can, you can come back. <laughs> you have been warned. All right, let's get into it. We begin where we left off. Daedra and Bix are at the hotel, and Daedra begins her interrogation, saying that she knows about Luthen. She doesn't really know the name yet, but she's just like, we, she knows of him. And she was able to get information, some information, but not everything she wants. So she's starting with Bix. And when Bix says, you know, she, you know she's like, hey, Bix, let's, 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 let's have a powwow here. Just tell me what I want to know, and then you get to go free. And Bix is completely aware of her situation. She goes, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you, would you? And she goes, no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Which I'm like, which I was like, damn, that's oh, that sucks. This is the first scene where I think the disgustingness of fascism really shows in Deirdre. So like the lighting, the way her face like is lit, the way her uniform is like really, really fitted, and just like overall, even her facial expressions, like she looks not cool anymore like she doesn't look nice the way that they like designed like the 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 lighting in the room is harsher to like make her features stand out more like the the general like just tone of her uh voice just shows the power that she's projecting over this person and just the casual way that she mentions uh dr gorst who is in the room this this man who is a a isb imperial interrogator and this dude is a bad-looking dude. Yeah, and, and the thing is, all of the people from the Empire, they look very washed out. They look exhausted. They look, you know, you can see the, the circles under their eyes. They look as kind of what, you know, the cartoon versions of these Empire people look like. So I thought that was really cool because they made it look like, you know, I felt like I was watching Clone Wars almost. Almost. So after we see Dr. Gorst turn around, we then cut to Cassian and his team, and they are at it again, building giant cog things. And the older guy on their team, Olaf, 
begins to notice that his hand is not working properly. He keeps staring at it and rubbing it. And Cassian notices it. And everybody's starting to notice it. But Cassian looks at him and says, you know, let's switch. Kino comes over. And there's a little bit of a, a, an argument between the team. But Cassian's like, no, 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 no. I'm faster. Like, I got it. Don't worry about it. So they switch. And Kino comes over and asks, you know, what's going on here? I got to say this, though. I think it's so funny that there's one guy whose job is just, like, keep track of how every, every other table yeah. is doing. And they didn't immediately put him on that job. That was so weird to me. Yeah, yeah. Just have him stare at the screen. So then Kino asks Olaf, how many days, you know, do you have left? And Olaf says he has 41. He is the next man out. He is the one who's going to leave. When asked whose idea it was to switch them, Cassian instantly says, oh, it's Taga's idea. And he was the one who was already (laughs) kind of arguing. And Cassian is trying to help everyone out, it looks like, or at least use his charm or trying to yep. convince people to trust him. Yeah, because Kino, Kino's not mad about the swap. No. He's like, hey, that was a great idea. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. Who, who, whose idea was this? That's it's amazing. Yeah. And when Cassian asks about a new person coming, Kino just kind of stares at him and shakes his head in, in annoyance and just looks at him dead face and just says, you know the drill. Yep, like... At this point, Cassian's been in there for at least 30 days, so he should know how the system yep. works. There's not a lot of rules in... in I, I keep calling to call the prison the box for some reason, but that's not what it is. I wish they had like a cool prison-y name for it, but it's just, what, floor four? So, anyways, we cut back to Bix and Dr. Gorst, and he explains how he's going to torture her. Which, you know, I said he was a bad-looking dude, but it's not like, you know, like, grizzled guy with, like, tattoos and scars. He just looks like a doctor, but, like, evil. He reminds me of the guy from the Halo series, the one that we all hated who was, like, super creepy. Oh, yeah. Just, like, this creepy little man who's, like, because he keeps talking about, like, what he's going to do to her, and it's, like, it's such a clinical description of what he's about to do to her. Yeah. He puts this device on her head that's going to play the sound that an alien race screamed before they died on their planet when the empire came in they eradicated the species and they found out afterwards like the soldiers who had killed them were like all huddled in a pile just begging for death because of how horrible the sound was and of course the empire goes immediately wow that's interesting how do we weaponize that yeah they found apparently these soldiers that had killed a couple of them and they were huddled up in, like, a corner, like, all fucking comatose and messed up. The, the species, they were going to build, like, a mine or something on their planet, and the species didn't like it, so they tried to fight back and just got fucking decimated and eradicated. Yep. Like, this, and, and Dr. Gorst, he, he doesn't care about that part. He just cares about what these sounds can do. And the one thing he says, you know, he's talking about like, oh, we, we change like the pitch and the frequency to like make it more effective. And he said the, the best part is we found a way to like make it work best with children's screams. Apparently children's screams like amplifies the effects. And I'm like, good yeah. God, this person's a monster. That's fucking nuts. Now, this is I'm going to say this right now. This was the best shot scene in the show to oh, date yeah. because they they put the device on her head. And as they do that. All the sound in the sh- the shot disappears except for her breathing. And it gets a real tight close-up on her face. And then suddenly she just screams her head off. We don't hear the scream of the aliens, which I thought was like an amazing touch. Yep. Because everything's always worse in your head. You can only imagine what would make her sound like that. What dying alien children's screams sound like in someone's head. And then the doors shut, and then we see footsteps walking away, which is literally a recreation shot from A New Hope. Literally shot for shot recreation at when Leia's being tortured. I was like, yeah. that's such a cool callback. We hear these screams, and after that door shuts, all of a sudden the screams kind of mesh into machine noises, and we go back to Cassian. Cassian just kind of looks up and decides that he's got to go to the bathroom. Not to pee, though. But to plan, 
He breaks yes. a panel off. He, he it was really funny is before he breaks the panel off, he flips open the toilet seat and then slams it back down, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> like, oh, I got to make everybody think I'm going. And then uh, so he breaks his panel off. Well, actually, I thought about this. I'm wondering if there's a sensor in the toilet to see if like he le- runs around the corner yeah. to see if it like triggers like, oh, hey, you know, this guy actually went to use the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He breaks this panel off on the wall. And there's all these, you know, uh, cables and tubes and stuff. He gets this weird cutter that he's been hiding back there and starts cutting at the pipe. He's like sawing at it. Before he gets very far, though, the the alarm sounds and a new prisoner is being brought onto the floor. As the new man is being lowered onto the floor, Ander talks through his idea to escape and I believe this prisoner that he's talking to was a prisoner that he entered with as well. He was, I think, the guy who was still... I think he was sitting right across from him when he was on the ship that was bringing him to the planet. But the two of them were, like, kind of looking at each other, and they're, like, discussing, whispering what they're going to do, like, their plan. And they're saying, like, okay, look at this. You know, the elevator is not rigged we if we could get the elevator to stop we can jump on the elevator and you know fight back like we you know we won't get affected by the floor they're like we need to if we can get one of those weapons you know they're not you know they're not going to be able to stop us if we we manage to get our hands on some weapons the elevator in the cage itself is not electrified we cut back to daedra going into the interrogation room as bix is being like i guess released for lack of a better term from the helmets and she looks broken. She looks absolutely destroyed. And Deidre's like, all right, now we can begin our interrogation. Which is nuts because, like, let me just prepare you for interrogation. Yeah. Like, fuck. Ugh. The interrogation hasn't started yet. That was just the torture. Yeah, first it's just the torture. Uh, next, next we're going to interrogate. So right after this quick scene, we go to the prison again, and the prison team is working, but Olaf just seems to be slowing down a bit, but he is very determined to work. Everyone seems to notice, again, they notice, like, hey, what's going on with him? But he's, he just, like, he's determined. He's like, nope, no, I'm, like, I'm, I still want to win. We're, we're close to winning, right? Well, that's the thing, is he was asking questions, and they answer him, like, you know, where are we in the running? And he, he says like oh what the hell and they say like hey man you asked this already like they're noticing cognitive issues as well as yep. motor issues so they're kind of just like keeping an eye on him and they definitely look he's concerned an old man. Well, he's an old man yeah and yeah. they definitely look concerned i don't think they look concerned for you know um their team i no i, I think it's more of like that's because these guys they're you know this unit is designed to be family units yeah. and these guys are supposed to work together as a team and they're noticing like their guy who's closest to getting out is faltering. He's just falling, not not falling apart. That happens a little later. But like he's just like they're like, what the fuck? You asked that already, man. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, we're we're ahead. Because that was the other thing too is that they're ahead. They were winning that day, and he just kept being like, so we're winning. It's like, what what do you? Yes, we you asked that already. Which by the way, hats off to Andor planning an escape and getting his team to first place. Hey. Good for him. Priorities. Yeah, absolutely. So we cut back to Daedra. Again, these were very quick quick uh, juxtapositions. And Daedra is just... She's, she's finished uh, with Bix. She's leaving. Uh, but she tells the prefect to keep her alive. Because she's like, uh, Andor might try to make contact with her. I need her alive to set a trap. And then the prefect is like, what about, what about Pack? I would love to hang mm-hmm. him. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. I don't give a shit. That guy's nothing to me. After that, we go to Mon Mothma, and she's giving a speech at the Senate. But it seems that all of her words are just falling on deaf ears. She gets back. She's doing, she's doing her typical, like, rabble-rabble, you know, hey, the Empire's yeah. being bad at this. And, like, literally senators are turning off their monitors and going home, like, in the yeah. middle of they just, her talking. They don't care. They're like, whatever, lady. What, yeah, keep going. We don't care. Obviously discouraged. She gets back into her speeder, and her driver informs her that her cousin is in town and is, I think... At the house. Yes. Which Mothma seems uh, confused and concerned about, not like happy. Ah, yes. Interesting. 
In the meantime, we cut back to Cassian and his crew. They're, uh, they finish their shift, and they're waiting for the floor change. The shift change, if you will. And uh, the one guy is sign-languaging to the other floors, right? But it's more frantic than it was the first time we saw him do this. And they all of a sudden, all of a sudden they keep, they're, they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And all of a sudden they keep saying, something happening, something happening on two. Floor two, something's going on over there. And Kino is doing his usual job. You know, he's like, hey, guys, what do you, stop. Stop worrying about it. Don't worry about two. We're going to keep going. But they've been waiting in line for a while now yeah. to change shifts, they've noticed. They're like, this is taking too long. And he goes, they're probably just doing a head count. Kino's like, they're probably just doing a head count. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, the lights flicker. The lights just start flickering, and then they're immediately told to stand on program. And clearly something is going on. They're all super concerned, but they just don't know what it is or what's going on because there's no information coming in. So they just move forward. After that, we get to meet Mon Mothma's cousin. But uh, it's someone we've met before. It's Val. No. Yeah, they, the two of them talk about their shared roles in the rebellion, and Mon Mothma says, you know, she's very concerned. And obviously, this is the rich family that she's trying to escape, Vel. That's what we mentioned in the last episode. But, yep. uh, yeah, Vel is, you know, apparently like the Paris Hilton of the family. Um, Vel Mothma, I yeah, guess? Yeah, she, she gave uh, Mon Mothma's daughter like a dress and all this stuff. And she's literally like the, what I mean by like Paris Hilton, like she is the rich girl who likes to party. That's her persona. Yep. That is her. That's the persona that she's Yeah, given. that's her whole, you know. Cause, cause like the dress, when she gives it to the, the, uh, to Mon Mothma's daughter, you know, she's like, Ooh, I don't know if your father will let you wear that. Cause it's so scandalous. And she was like, well, my dad lets me wear whatever I want. Which again, uh, kudos to that dad for being just the fucking worst and turning <laughs> his own daughter against his own or uh, her own mother. So we cut to the prison crew. They're resting after their shift, and Andor, uh, he's eating, but in between bites, he's asking Kino uh, about what he knows about the layout of the prison, because Kino obviously knows more because he's not only the manager, but he's also only got like uh, like two hundred plus. Or I think it's like a hundred and some days left. Yeah, it's like it's point, it's under a year. It's like two hundred something buck. Uh, two hundred. It's like two hundred something uh, days. I think it was like two hundred eleven when Andrew went in. I think it's like one hundred eighty now. No, whatever. it's at two hundred something like now. So it he okay. was almost out. If you think about it, that's right. Both yeah. Olaf was going to. He would have been out by now. And I say out in air quotes. And uh, Kino <laughs> we'll get to was that in a very close to getting out. Yep. And Kino's whole thing, he's like, I'm just going to you know, keep my head down, get my work done, pay my debt to society, and I'm going to get out. But Andor's like, hey, man, listen, you're going to be out soon. I got six years left. I ain't sticking around for this. So just tell me what you know. What's, what's, the, what's the harm? Specifically, he asks him, like, how many guards are there on each floor? Come on, you have to know that. And I love Kino because he just responds by turning his back to him and turning his light off. <laughs> <laughs> just giving him the silent treatment. He refuses to tell him anything. Yep. So back at the ISB, they're talking about the debrief, right? They're, they're looking into what happened, uh, what Deirdre has found and everything. And they're believing that, you know, finding Andor might be the key to finding Axis. Yeah, they, they started to piece together the parts of the, they were, they were like, uh, well, he showed up back on Ferrex like three days after the Aldani heist, and he had money from the Aldani heist on him. And he was clean shaven. And he was clean shaven. That was a big deal, because they were like, hey, everybody at the Aldani heist was clean shaven, so was Andor. And they said that the photo of Andor that they showed, those that survived, they were like, yeah, that guy looks really fucking familiar. Yep. So the, the pieces are falling into place, and clearly Andor is someone that they need to be looking out for. So the next morning, uh, the day shift of the, the prison, they line up for the headcount, and the other shift is like, hey, did you guys hear what happened on 2? And they're like, no, what happened on 2? Like, oh my god, they don't know. It turns out that light flickering was the entire shift being murdered on floor 2. They're all fried. 
and they were doing the sign language thing, trying to figure out from other floors too. And he turns around, Kino turns around and starts yelling. He's like, you know, saying how you don't know how long does it take for all this shit to happen, you know, all yep. these communications to come back and forth between different floors. And he's like getting pissed. And then they tell they get told to go on program and Mel she's like you know, we're never getting the fuck out of here. And Kino loses it yep. and turns around and starts, like, beating the shit out of him. And Cassian grabs him and throws him over and is like, hey, the less they think we know, the better. Stop. The better. He's like, stop. And so he yep. gets on, they get on program and Kino is like, hey, Kino yells at the whole entire tube of people and says, it might be the truth and it might be a rumor. We don't know. Do not say anything. Don't even acknowledge it. Yep. And, you know, they got to play it cool. And now we go to, of course, my favorite wacko, Karn, <laughs> who's eating his green Cocoa Puffs again. Apparently, it's all he ever freaking yeah. eats. And his mom comes in, and she's grilling him, you know, he's... Getting up late or getting up early, coming home late. His hair's been trimmed. Every little fucking thing she's commenting about. And he's like, hey, you've been in my room. You've been inside my private box, which I thought was interesting that he calls it that. And definitely shows that he has, you know, no privacy. And his private box area, you know, aside from his mind, is very precious to him because he's never had privacy. And everything of his life has been regimented and, you know, been controlled. So it's the one space he has control over, but she's been in it because she goes, I like a tidy house and stuff. And she's grilling him. And then finally he goes, we're not talking about that. You were in my private space. I know how, you you know, that you were doing that. I have my ways. And she ends up just kind of saying, what do I get on like my investment? I got you a job and all that. What do I have to show for it? And he says, well, I got a promotion. And she's like, oh, my God, yay. She's, like, excited, but, like, she's not, like, mom excited. She's like, good job on, you know, getting, on, you know, higher making up. Making the family yeah. proud. Uncle Uncle Harlow will be thrilled. Yeah. Like, shouldn't you be thrilled? Your son just told you he got a promotion yeah. after only working there for, like, a month. She's not happy for him. She's happy. Ab- happy for the family. Yeah, and just a, for herself, almost, if anything. Yep. She gives him, offers him more cereal, and one of the little, you know, cocoa puff things fall out, and he looks at it and picks it up and drops it into his bowl. After this, we cut back to Andor and the team still working to win the shift, and Olaf is slowing down again. This time, he's just, he doesn't seem to be able to focus on anything, and it's just really sad to watch him degrade as the episode goes on. It's very sad, actually. Yeah. We're then treated to an awkward family dinner at uh, Mon Mothma's house, where Mothma's husband is grilling Vel about why she doesn't have a husband yet, and he's like, you should get a widower by now. That's about all you're going to be able yeah. to get. And she's like, it's not on my agenda. I guess they marry early on Shandula, because he's talking, like, previous episodes, they were like, oh, yeah, we got married at 16, as is tradition. And I'm like, Jesus I know, Christ. I know. And he's just giving her shit, and Vel's just like, yeah, bro, I don't give a fuck. Like, fuck you. But Vel says this really funny thing where she's like, oh, it wasn't on uh, my list, you know, all the good ones are taken, I guess. And she's, like, trying to dig at him while also, like, complimenting him. And uh, Mon Mothma just kind of giggles. And then they mention about, like, old boyfriends, and her daughter's like, oh, yeah, mom's old boyfriend's coming around. And... (laughs) Mon Moth was like, what the fuck? I know he what? And she's like, we went to grade school. Yeah. And he goes, keyword old. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You telling saying your wife's old? Like, what the fuck, bro? Guy's a dick. He does not he's a he's such a jerk. He's like just uh, he's such a great character. Because you know you know he's probably gonna turn her into the Empire at some oh, point. Oh, totally. Like, I bet. Like he's just such totally. a Unless they pull a 360 on us and it's like, no, it turns out he likes her, but he's just like, he doesn't know how to talk to her anymore. I think he's just a fucking I prick. Know. I think he's just a prick. After dinner, Vel and Mon decide to have a little conversation and just about like, you know, what are you doing? What's the plan? And little short little mm-hmm. thing. It's, it's, it's more of like, hey, just be careful. Yeah. They're both commiserating about like, 
their roles in the rebellion, you know, like they're, they're both kind of trapped in the personas that they've created for themselves and that they just both need to watch out because things are about to get more aggressive. Speaking of aggressive things, uh, we cut to Daedra the next day going to work and out of nowhere, she's stopped by Karn who we find out has been waiting outside of her office to try to catch her for like days. Like he shows up early before work to like wait for her so that he can talk. So you can try to talk to her. And originally he says it's just because of the, he wants to thank her for the promotion. And she's like, I have nothing to do with that. She's like, we gave you a clean bill of health. Yeah. And she tries to like pull away, but he like grabs her like really aggressively. She even asks, she's like, are you stalking me? Yeah, and he doesn't deny it either. It's so fucking weird, man. She like she threatens to have him arrested, but he's continuing to say like he feels like I, it was so weird cuz it was like it wasn't a confession of like love or anything. It was like this weird like confession of like love for duty and he it was like it sounded like dude, you you do so good at your job it makes me horny. It's like Jesus Christ. It's the most awkward fucking thing I've ever seen. And, and, and there's people like there's been this big debate online of like whether or not she was into it or not. And I'm like, I don't know where I stand because she's an extremely dislikable person as well. So I don't know. I mean, at the, on the one hand, maybe she was like just a little bit being like, oh, it's nice to be seen as, uh, you know, good at my job. But on the other hand, this dude fucking ambushed her. I was deeply uncomfortable the entire time. I'm just gonna let oh, that yeah. be known. Uh, she when she not Nazi flirting is never fun to watch. It was gross. And then when she gets to her office, she's like talking to her assistant, and she's like even looks uncomfortable. Um, I don't think I am not in the realm of saying that I think she was, you know, flirting. But no, she was fucking like, hey yo, chill out there. She definitely wasn't flirting back, to be oh, sure. Yeah. But I think there was, like, the conversation of, like, well, how much did she hate it and how much was she like, hmm? No, no. I, I, no. I don't subscribe. I'm <laughs> sorry, folks. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, look, if I'm wrong, whatever. I, you know what? I, I, wish, I wish both of them years of unhappiness. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like that moment where you're like, oh, I feel bad that this has happened to her. But she is a Nazi. So after this, she is in her office, and Deidre is talking to her assistant, and her assistant excitedly tells her that they captured a rebel pilot who is also a pilot for um, the team that Luthen was trying to get, trying to get Saw Gerrera to start a raid with. So this is all, everything is coming together. Yep. So she begins to interrogate off screen this pilot remotely. Yep. Like they sent they sent do, uh, Dr. Gorst to go uh, stick the stick the alien screamy probe on on his head. And then she'll ask him the questions via via Skype, I guess. Meanwhile, uh, Teacoma meets with Mon Mosma and he tells her like, you know, hey, that money that you moved. Yeah, that's way too much to hide. And she's like, oh, God, what do we do then? What do we, what are, what's, what's your, what's the best thing we can do? And he goes, hey, the best thing we can do right now is to have someone put the money back. And she's like, well, who, who could do that? And he goes, you're not going to like this. It's not a very long list. She's like, just, just tell me who it is. And he drops the name Davo Skulden, which they, they might have named, like, I, I was laughing because the name even sounds scummy. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not happy about it. Oh, she's pissed. Like, she's like, this dude's a fucking gangster. And he's like, yeah, well, you're a rebel. What do you want from me? <laughs> she's like, he wants to meet with you. And she's like, do I have any other choice? She's like, not really. He's like, all right, let's do it's it. It's almost like she is equivalency of like working with like the huts, but like, you know, the equivalent of the huts for her yeah. home planet. Well, but I was going to say, he's, he's a guy from Shandrilla. How bad could he be? I mean, her husband's pretty bad. Yeah, but like if that's if that's the measure, I'm like this guy must be like like he cheated on his taxes, <laughs> you know. Like Mon Mothma is a she is a I, I will say this like compared to someone like Saw Gerrera, she is a goody goody two. Oh, absolutely. You know, she's the more noble rebellion that we've that we've known growing up with Star Wars. Like so, she's like he's a scumbag. So I'm imagining like his, his crimes are like 
tax evasion and smuggling. And she's like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, hey, that might lead to her, like, growing and realizing that she has to work with people like him in order to get the rebellion to go. So this might be a learning experience for her. Yeah. Because the entire time that we've known her, she's been trying to get the rebellion, like, going through legitimate means. That's why she was so pissed when Luthen stole all that money. Yeah. Because it was a crime. Yeah. And people were going to suffer because of it. Well, that's the thing. Luthen is, you know, doing everything in his own way, or at least the way of the Empire, and she's like, really does not want to stoop to that level, but he's like, fuck it. They don't care. He's like, yeah, exactly. So speaking of those who don't care, we go back to the ISB and Deidre is informing the director of good news. The pilot that they captured didn't get a chance to signal out. And then they go about preparing a trap for all of this pilot's friends. And they are coming up with this idea where they're going to kill him. They're going to freeze this pilot. And they're going to let the ship go out into space with a tracker on it so they can find where the base is which i was like damn that's fucking cold literally well that's the thing the the pilot's just another tool this guy will lead us to a major rebel cell which by the way they already have information that these guys were planning yeah they already knew about the raid that luthan was trying to get uh saw guerrera to go and and that's the thing too is they don't see any of these rebels or any of these people that could be involved as people, as individuals. They are just like other parts of the machine. You know, they are like, whatever, you're disposable. Everybody, everybody's yep. disposable. It's our job to catch the cells, so we'll just use, we'll yep. use you the best way we can. So we cut back to the prisoners, and the program ends, and we get to see what happens to a team when they lose. They have to go step into the middle of the room where everyone can see them, and they all get zapped by the machine that drops them all to the ground. And it's kind of brutal to watch them all do this because like, everybody has to stare at them and watch them. It's kind of hard to be happy that you finished a shift when you watch your buddies get fried. Suddenly, though, Olaf, who hasn't been looking great the whole episode, he, like, collapses. You know, he, he can't even stand upright when they get him into line to do the head count. And Andor's like, Kino, we have to get this guy a medic. We have to get him help. So then they start doing a shift change, and they're carrying him. Uh, Cassian and Melshi are carrying him, and he looks like shit. Like, he looks like he's got COVID. It's terrible. Yep. And he collapses even more, and Kino's freaking out. Like, you gotta get on program. What are you doing? Keep moving. Everybody keep moving. And finally, they're like, we need a medic. We've been saying it now. For, we need a medic. And so they finally get a medic. Yep. And everybody leaves except for Cassian and Kino. And the medic is looking at Olaf. He says, you know, what's going on with this with inmate? You know, what has been happening? And Cassian's like, his name is Olaf. And the medic goes, I don't want to know his name. And that yep. kind of, you could see in Kino's eyes where he's like, this is an individual. This is a person. Even though Kino is the leader of something where they're all cogs in the machine kind of situation, he still sees them as individuals. He knows every single person. He still has his humanity. Yeah, he still he sees everybody. He knows their names. He, yes. He knows who they are. And he checks in with them. Even though in the beginning when he tells Cassian, like, if you got a problem, like, I don't want to hear it, keep it to yourself. He still is aware of what's going on for everybody. He knows their stories. And so he looks and is like, this guy's got 41 days, like, he's about to leave. And the doctor's like, no, he's not. He's had a massive stroke. This guy's, you know, he's done for. He goes to put him down. The medic says to Kino, no one's getting out. Yeah. And then he picks up the the syringe, and Kino picks up on that. He goes, what... What do you mean he's nobody's getting out? We're all getting out. Like, that's 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 our thing. We we get out when we get our shift done. And the medic's like, I don't want to talk about this. He's like, no, what happened? What's going on? What do you mean by that? And so then the medic, like, he calls for the guard. He's like, hey, I need a body bag cart here. The guard yells at him and is like, yeah, it's on its way. Gets this syringe and he goes to, you know, inject Olaf. And Kino goes, what are you doing? And he says... I'm going to help him, you know, move on, basically. He's not going to feel anything. Just, you know, he's just going to pass. And he injects him, and Kino looks very upset. 
by this. Kino's already upset in general, but the killing yep. of Olaf, the, the passing of Olaf, definitely gets Kino going. He looks upset because now he's lost, obviously, somebody on his floor, but he clearly starts, he kind of cares about the guys on his floor, and Olaf just kind of, like, breathes in and then just dies. Yeah, and... and- and then that immediately sets into Kino's head. He, you know, he says, he says, he asks again, what did you mean by no one, none of us are getting out? What happened on floor two? And the medic looks at him and just goes, listen, this is, this is the craziest yeah. part of the episode. I, 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 we, we, you know, this is the one that I think I immediately texted yeah. you when I saw this. So the reason what happened on floor two was a guy on floor. Was it yeah, four it or four, five? I think it's four. Yeah, a guy on floor four was recycled. He was supposed to get out. He f- served his sentence and was supposed to be leaving the facility. But a clerical error instead put him on floor two. But now, was it a clerical error? That's uh-huh. the question. That's the question. Because this was the first guy to get out in the new system. So he basically was just shuffled. Instead of getting released, he was shuffled. And when Floor 2 realized that, they all rioted, and they were all killed. When Kino hears this, there's like an instant change on his face. The guard's like, hey, get the fuck out of here. We're, we gotta clean up this body. So they both immediately turn to leave. And he stands up and immediately starts walking towards the cell block. And Andor follows him. All of a sudden, Cassian just asks again, how many guards per level? And without a second thought, Kino says, no more than 12. And it cuts to black. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Trust us, this even sounds cool in the podcast. We get it. The ending's really cool. We will be right back. All right, so with an ending like that, I I have some thoughts. I figured you had some thoughts. Oh, my God. I was literally jumped out of my chair. I was like, let's go. This is awesome. Yeah, I think the ending was one of the best hardcore ending. Like, not even a cliffhanger, but just like a badass ending. I thought it was great. And it's just a line. Somebody just says a line, and it's the most badass thing. I mean, it was incredible. So when it comes to this episode, my thought process was throughout the episode, it kind of looks like Kino is being coached in his leadership by Cassian. A little bit. He seems to be having an effect on him. Yeah, he, he's been a leader here now for like quite some time. But when things go off program, haha, he's not sure what to do, right? So like with what's going on with Olaf, what's been going on with Floor you know, two and all that. He's a little off. Uh, thinking on his feet at this time isn't his forte, where it's Cassian's specialty, because even with the floor two stuff, Cassian is like, hey, calm down. You know, they don't need to know every, they don't need to know that we know and all this other shit. So, like, he's kind of coaching him, and it's definitely having an effect. I also yep. think the contrast to Karn and Cassian's upbringing, like, we just keep seeing it. It's really intriguing to me because Karn's mom sees Karn as an investment, right? She even says it out loud. He's yep. a tool where Cassian was loved, and I mean like really loved. So I found that to be really yeah. interesting. Um, she, like Marva even says that. She's like, you know, I've never loved anything yeah. more than yeah. I loved you. Karn's not even, a, you know, Karn is her flesh and blood, whereas Marva yeah. adopted him. You know, overall, we still see the prison theme. Obviously, we're seeing the prison, but the, the, the prison theme, Mon Mothma still feeling like she is stuck. She's trapped in her spot. Uh, Karn feels he's trapped in his yep. spot. Andor is literally <laughs> trapped in his spot. I mean, even Vel. Vel is trapped in a persona, but I feel like she's able yep. to kind of, like, escape. She's, she's yeah, breaking yeah, yeah. free. And, the, and, and honestly, you can see how uh, her demeanor is different than everyone else's because she hasn't she has broken yeah. free from her persona she has a she has a way to yeah. escape um things that i also liked i loved the lighting of this i think the lighting for yeah. the prison being very bright and they're washed out but in a different way and just the contrast for lighting for people on 
Coruscant and everything. Like I, I think cinematically, they did a really good job of distincting each area. Yep. Finding out about Vel, that was cool. Uh, my only notes, I think, is with the anxiety stuff, I'm all for having like ticking clocks or like a weird sound going off to heighten the anxiety. And there were at some points where I was expecting it and I was like, oh, that would be really awesome. Because for, for those listening, we watch the episode multiple times. We watch it first just for fun. And then we watch it a couple more times and we like to analyze it. And I just noticed, you know, there were some points where I was like, ah, there should have been a little bit more of a sound for heightened anxiety here. Uh, it was just dead silent and it didn't really feel anxiety inducing. It just almost sometimes felt awkward. But overall, I I, yep. I think the silence is good in certain ways, which they did do very well. Um Yeah, I I I, I think uh overall, good episode. Yep. I I I echo everything you're saying there. I think this God, the 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 hype for this episode at the end, I was like, I, the possibilities are endless for what they can do with not, not only the prison scene, but then the other characters too. I, I can't wait to find out who uh, this, this gangster of Shandrilla is and what he does. Again, again, I guarantee it's like, oh, he does exotic animal smuggling. And you're like, oh no. It's like, no, he gives out house pets. <laughs> it's like, oh, what? Okay, okay, Mon Mothma, you, 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 you scaredy cat. It'd be all right for once. I think we need. I think we need to jump into some quotes now, though. Yes, um, they're not that many in this episode, but they're fine. No. So the first one is the scene with Bix and Deirdre. Deirdre is looking at her and says, "The very worst thing you can do right now is bore me." And Bix yep. says, "You're not going to believe me anyway, are you?" And Deirdre says, "No, I suppose not." And that just shows to me, like, doesn't fucking matter if she tells the truth or not, they kind of almost want to torture. They enjoy it. Yep. It's the power trip that they get from it. It turns out like uh, when Deidre was, you know, first couple of those episodes, she was pretending that, you know, she was different than the other Imperials. She's the exact same person. She got, she's gotten hold of power and now she's abusing it. Yeah. Yeah. She has become what she actually was kind of fighting against with her supervisors. Yep. Uh, then, then she says to the prefect, you know, she says, keep her, keep her here and keep her alive as a hostage, as a witness. And that I thought was interesting. It was like, what are we keeping her as distinctionarily, you know, on paper? Because uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it depends for them. I, just, I found that to be very interesting. Uh, how do you treat them? Do you treat them any differently? No, not really. Yeah. You know, the, the, the prefix says to her, I'd like to hang pack what's left of them anyway. Make sure they know who's in charge. They are still trying to assert their power on Ferex. And that's because we saw, we've seen this is a hotbed of rebel activity. This, this place does not submit to authority very easily. Yep. As well as that is one of those things we've been talking about in all these episodes is how the Empire uses fear. You know, they use fear and intimidation. But also we have seen it backfire on them internally as well so i thought that was really interesting the next one is vel talking to mon mothma vel says to mon the empire doesn't rest mon the rebellion comes first and then she says things are happening there's risk there's no other way and i thought that was really cool because she's showing mon like hey man you're living in your Magic the Gathering Neon Dynasty apartment, <laughs> and you don't know. Like, I, I'm out there, and, and I think it shows that difference where Mon just still doesn't get it. She's still, like you said earlier, she's still this rich, goody-two-shoes person, and she just hasn't been there, and she just doesn't know it. The next one that we need to talk about is Andor's quote to Kino, you know, when he's, in t- when he's asking him how many guards are on the level the first time in the episode. And he says, you think they care what we say? You think they're listening? You think they care enough to make an effort? See, this, this line is very interesting because it's a, not only is it a great line, but it's a direct parallel to what Andor says to Jyn Erso right before their death in Rogue One, when they send the plans up into space. He says, do you think anyone up there is listening? And I love that idea. It's like, he knows that his side is yeah. the one that listens. And, and when... 
Kino kind of gives him shit and is like, we're going to bed, like, you know, whatever. He then says, we are nothing to them. Melshi's right. We are cheaper than droids and easier to replace. You think they care what we say? Nobody is listening. Nobody. And he just keeps screaming, nobody is listening. Nobody is listening as they turn the lights off everywhere. And that was a really cool scene because he's showing, you know, if anything, he, of all people, know that they don't listen. That he's infiltrated them. Cassian earns his living by breaking into places. Exactly. But Kino says to him, what would you know about what the Empire is, is doing, like how they work? And obviously Cassian can't say that, but Cassian's like, nobody's listening. Like, trust me, they see us as lesser. They're not worried about us. Like, they really aren't. Well, and that's the thing. I think Cassian, if he was able to tell everybody what he has done in the past, mm-hmm. they'd be able to, con- you know, he c- could convince them to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, he's also the reason why a lot of them got trapped for yeah. another year or, or more, and they'd probably kill him. So he's not saying shit. He even says, he's like, you know, all they need to do is just turn a floor on twice a day and that's it. Like, they don't have to do anything and they know it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like literally like you see the guards are so bored when when Cassie was getting yep. put in there. They were all like, oh, my God, like like the, the worst part of their day is when they have to add a new person to the floor. And they're always late, too. Yeah, they're sloppy. This is not a well-run facility. It looks well-run because it's clean, but that's because of the droids doing the maintenance. So the last quote is, of course, we've said it already. No more than 12. So yep. fucking badass. Andy Circus is so awesome. I cannot wait for the next episode. The first question that I have is, how are they getting out? Yeah, I, like, I would love to know that. Because <laughs> like, this, this prison seems pretty impregnable, so I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to do to get out. I'm really excited to see what the plan is. Obviously, the floor is the biggest problem. So, I mean, they do have some weapons, you know, but the floor is the biggest problem. The yep. guards are... Obviously, they outnumber the guards by a lot, but I would agree, yeah. That's that's my biggest question. How the hell are they going to get out? I'm also wondering uh, where the Mon Mothma plot is going to go in the next two episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. wondering. I, I don't know. I think we're, we're running out of time for there to be like a. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm wondering if there's like a, like a big, you know, decisive thing with her. But I mean, damn, her scenes are just so compelling. I love every time she pops up on screen, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping I. I'm hoping for more of a decisive action from her because she's been very, very, very safe, I'd yeah, say, oh, yeah. throughout this entire season. So I want to see, I want to see have her have her a big moment with her, but I'm worried we're not gonna have enough time in this season. I'm hoping it'll pay off. We're also seeing a lot of her in her disguise, you know? Yeah. And, and when she has to get out of her disguise, she's still trying to keep the appearance of her disguise. It's not like Vel who could just openly yeah. do something around Luthen when they're off planet. She can't leave Coruscant. She could barely leave her house, but she can't leave Coruscant. So it's very difficult for her to actually do what she wants to do. And I would say be herself because she's an act. It's all an act. It's a facade. Yep. Any more questions you've got? No, I would say my final thoughts are... I, I would assume the prison break is going to be up next. I would assume they're at least going to attempt yeah. it or they're going to start really planning it. I want to know what's up. Um, and yeah, final thoughts is I, I, I think this episode, this arc, <laughs> this anime arc is great. The prison arc <laughs> has been really fun so far. Very distinctual. I do like how this show is different, like different yeah. concise you know, self-contained stories. You could replace Andor with another character, honestly. Yeah. For each of these arcs, and it would still be a self-contained story. That's what I, I think that's what's very cool about this show. That's what's cool too, is like I feel like it's been three episodes with one to two of an in-between and then another like three-ish episodes. So that's what it's feeling like. And it honestly, it's weird. It feels like this show has been on TV for a while now. Like, yeah. in my mind, it feels like I've always been watching Andor, and I'm having fun, well, and it's, it's just cool. And I actually have a theory on why that is. It's honestly because of the talent they have in front of the camera. Absolutely. Because if you look at it, they have emptied the fucking, uh, just, just, uh, 
They've emptied the cabinet of British actors <laughs> to play characters on the show. Yeah. Great example, the fucking medic. He played James Potter in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. That's Harry's dad. And that's such a minor, that's a big actor for a minor character. Like, that's really cool. I mean, Marva, that's Harry Potter's aunt. Yeah. So, like, they're, they're literally, like, they're grabbing just, they're, they're just putting such awesome, I would say, underutilized talent in every freaking spot that they can find. And it's so cool to see how effective they are at you know, delivering. This is a drama. You know, this is, not mm-hmm. a, this is not a space opera. This is a drama. And that's what these actors are excelling at. And I'm having a lot of fun also watching each individual scene. Like, each individual scene feels isolated as, like, a small short. I, I just think the writing is really good and the film, like, cinematography and effects. Yes. and Just overall, great job. The direction is good. Also, like you said earlier, the first scene, the interrogation scene with Bix, like, that was amazing. That was one yeah. of the best scenes in the entire this, episode. I would, I would argue if, if they're, not, they're not listening. Did you think anyone's no. listening out there? Uh, the, the, but if I was the Andor production crew, this is the episode that I would submit for Emmy consideration. Oh, yeah. Because of that scene and uh, Kino's arc throughout this episode. Because the development that he has as a man who loses all hope at the very end is amazing. Also, Karn is a freak. I'm going to add that, too. Uh, (laughs) He's terrifying, and he worries me. I feel bad for him in his upbringing. That's about the only thing I feel bad for. Dude needs to chill. He clearly has yeah. a psychosis issue. He's got some mommy with... issues. He's he's got mommy issues, which is why he finds Daedra so appealing. He's got a lot of issues. I think he's yeah. attracted to authority because he was raised by authority almost. Ooh, there you go. Way to use that psych degree. <laughs> I wish I had a psych degree. I'd probably make more money. <laughs> no, right. he uh he definitely is attracted to a specific thing. If you look at the ISB, they are almost like the authority, right? And so yep. he is attracted to that rather than like obviously her in the ISB, but I kind of feel like he wants to work for them as well. Yeah, oh because no, he then, definitely does. He tried, auditioned. Because, yeah, there you go. Because then he can be the authority figure. He doesn't have to follow it anymore. He makes the rules. He enforces them. He'll have the power. He sees Daedra as the physical manifestation of that power. Yeah, and I think that's why he was a security guard in the first place. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but I think that we should end it there. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.